0: Section 16 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marissa Sheldon. Antonia by Georges Sand. Translated by George Burnham Eves. Section 16. They went out together. Julien went straight to the porter, closely watched by his uncle, who did not lose sight of him, but, instead of entrusting the letter to the functionary, as he had determined at first, he said to him that he wished to speak to the valet de Chambre, and walked rapidly across the courtyard without turning. When he reached the antechamber, Julien delivered the letter and sat down on the waiting bench with the manner of one who does not expect to be received, but he said to the valet, "'Please inform Madame la Comtesse that, if there is any reply, Monsieur Antoine Thierry's nephew is waiting here to carry it to him.' "'Julien waited three minutes. "'The servant returned and said, "'Madame la Comtesse desires to ask you some questions. "'Take the trouble to walk this way.' "'He opened a door at one side of the room and walked ahead. "'Julien followed him through a dark corridor. "'Then the servant opened another door.' placed a chair for him, and withdrew. Julien was alone in a handsome dining-room, the main door of which was opposite him. A moment later that door opened and Madame d'Estrelle appeared. She was very pale and excited. "'I receive you here,' she said, "'because I have visitors in my salon, and I cannot express myself before anyone on the subject which brings you here. Did Monsieur Antoine himself hand you this letter?' yes madame and you know nothing of its contents of course i do madame and yet you undertook to deliver it yes madame why so in order to find out whether my uncle is mad enough to be locked up or fiendishly cruel in other words you were not sure you wished to know if i had given him any right to write such a letter "'I did not believe it, and I expected that you would order me to be turned away without a reply. "'Then, as I receive you, you conclude—' "'Nothing, madame, except that you can do nothing more cruel and leave me in uncertainty. "'Why should you take such a great interest in my affairs? "'Am I responsible to anyone?' "'Oh, madame, do not speak to me in that tone,' cried Julien, fairly beside himself either my uncle's wealth has imposed silence on your repugnance and in that case i have absolutely nothing to say to you or else you submitted to his impertinent offers with a patience which misled him and if you were so patient so kind as that to him i can easily guess the reason you were afraid that monsieur antoine's resentment would fall on us That is true, Master Julien. I thought of your mother. I avoided giving him an answer. I asked for time to reflect. I hoped that, in order to please me, he would first keep the promise he had made me to restore Madame Thierry to happiness and comfort. That was wrong, perhaps, for I was not frank, and that is contrary to my nature. Indeed, could I believe that the irascible, ill-mannered old man would begin by trying to compromise me?' And yet that is just what is happening, and God knows what disagreeable consequences this may have for me. But I am wrong to think about it. When I see my endeavors to assist you become to naught, I am selfish to complain, and really my greatest sorrow consists in my being unable to be of any service to you after being the cause of your disaster. And what am I to do with a man who takes my fear for coquetry and my silence for an avowal? julien knelt on one knee and as madame d'estrell surprised and terrified was about to fly he said fear nothing from me madame this is no stage declaration i am not mad and i am absolutely serious in thanking you on my knees in my mother's name your kindness is of the sort which men adore and which no words can describe now he added rising i have the right to say to you that i am a man and that i should despise myself if even for love of the most loving of mothers i should accept the sacrifice of your pride for a single instant no madame no monsieur antoine thierry must not be spared he must not believe for another instant that he can aspire poor man he is mad but madmen need to be held in check like inconvenient and dangerous children I will take charge of him, and with your permission I will go at once and disabuse his mind forever. "'Ah! mon Dieu, you will go yourself?' said Julie. "'No, do not drive him to extremities. I will write.' "'But I do not choose that you shall write,' replied Julien, with a proud vehemence which did not displease Madame d'Estrelle. "'Do you think that I am a child, to be afraid of his anger?' or a coward to leave you exposed to his importunities do you think that my mother would be any more willing than myself to accept favors which would cost you the shadow of a falsehood is it for you to deal tenderly with any one and suffer for our sake who would give our lives to spare you the slightest suffering no madame learn to know us better My mother's sentiments are as lofty as your own. She accepted Monsieur Antoine's benefactions with the very greatest reluctance. Today she would blush to do it. She will detest the mere thought when she knows what they cost you. And as for me, I am of no consequence in your eyes, and shall never be anything in your life." But permit a man, who feels that he is a man of spirit, to tell you that he fears neither poverty, nor vengeance, nor any sort of persecution. I have done my duty, and I will continue to do it. I will support my mother until she draws her last breath, and if it is necessary to contend against the whole world, I shall be able to do it for her. Let this reassure you, touching the fate of her you love so dearly. If only your friendship were concerned, she would prefer it to all Monsieur Antoine's wealth, and for my part, though I had but this moment on earth to tell you that I love you, I should esteem myself happy and proud to have been able to say it to you without offence and without presumption. For I speak to your heart, and there is not a shadow of a sentiment in my heart that is unworthy of you. Adieu, madame live happily and at peace and if you ever need a man to do something for you that is beyond the power of all other men remember that such a man exists poor humble hidden in a corner but capable of moving mountains for when his mother's welfare is at stake he is determination and faith personified julien left the room without asking or waiting for another word from madame d'estrel and in a twinkling he was in the street. Antoine was awaiting him with feverish impatience. He was on the point of bursting into the hotel like a bomb when Julien reappeared. "'Well, the answer must be at least four pages long,' he cried. "'Where is it?' "'Come, monsieur,' said Julien, offering him his arm to cross the street. "'There is too much noise here for us to hear each other.' They entered into an open field where there was a sign, for sale, and Julien began thus. Monsieur, my uncle, Madame d'Estrelles read your letter and summoned me to her presence so that I might bring you her verbal response. Verbal? Yes, word for word. Let us hear it. Madame la Comtesse considered that your mind must have been disturbed when you asked for her hand, was afraid to be alone with you, and put an end to the interview by a promise to reflect. But she had already reflected, and this is her decision. She regrets that she will be unable to come to your house tomorrow, and she informs you that from this moment she will no longer be at home. She is going away. Where is she going? It is not for me to interpret, but for you to understand. I understand. This is my formal dismissal, is it? Everything tends to make me think so. And you are the person she employs to tell me so? no i took it upon myself without asking her consent why i insist upon knowing you do know monsieur didn't you tell me that my mother's fortune and my own depended on madame d'Estrelle's encouragement of your matrimonial plans that is why I grasped so eagerly the excuse you gave me to go to her house, hoping that the extraordinary nature of your letter would induce her to receive me. That is something you did not anticipate. "'Yes, I did. Mon Dieu! cried Monsieur Antoine. I said to myself that that thing would happen if—' "'If what, monsieur? If I had guessed right. I understand. But I do not understand.' that makes no difference to me excuse me you want me to guess you thought that i was foolish enough impertinent enough mad enough to aspire to that lady's favour and now i am sure of it you told her of your sentiments and i see your air of triumph at the same time you are rubbing your hands because you have shown me the door you will go and tell your dear mother this of course you will say to her the rich man gobbled the bait he thought that by tossing us a crust of bread and taking a young wife he would make sport of us and disinherit us well he has succeeded simply in covering himself with shame he will grow alone he will die unmarried and we shall be rich in spite of him you are mistaken monsieur rejoined julien with perfect self-possession i formed no such contemptible schemes and i shall never do anything of the kind you may marry to-morrow if you choose and whom you choose and i shall be overjoyed provided always that my mother's dignity and mine are not at stake in your undertaking this is what i desired to say to madame d'estrel and what i say to you And now I have only to remember that you are my uncle, and humbly present you my respects. Julien was about to go away after bowing low to Monsieur Antoine, but he recalled him in an imperious tone. What about my lily? Who will pay me for it? Put a price on it, Monsieur. Five hundred thousand francs! Are you speaking seriously? Am I speaking seriously? I MUST BELIEVE YOU, KNOWING THAT YOU ARE INCAPABLE OF DECEIVING A PERSON WHO RELIES UPON YOU. FLATTERY! fawning. THE BLOOD ROSE IN THE YOUNG ARTIST'S CHEEKS. HE GAZED EARNESTLY AT MONSIEUR ANTOINE, TRYING TO PERSUADE HIMSELF THAT HE WAS REALLY SO IRRESPONSIBLE THAT HIS INVECTIVES SHOULD NOT AFFECT A SELF-POSSESSED MAN. ANTOINE DIVINED HIS THOUGHT AND MADE AN EFFORT TO BE CALMER well let us say no more about that he said i will go and pick up the ruins and the picture i have lost my outlay of kindness of heart and confidence it will teach me not to depart from my ideas and principles again walk first and don't say another word they returned to the studio there monsieur antoine silent as hatred took the flower the plant the picture and, refusing to accept any one's assistance, without looking at Julien, without moving his lips, he left the pavilion and did not appear again. Marcel soon returned and asked Julien what had taken place. Julien told him frankly and unhesitatingly in Madame Thierry's presence. "'Now,' he added, "'my inconsiderate conduct alarmed you, I know. You thought that I was as mad as Uncle Antoine.' and my mother is terrified by a sentiment which she thinks is likely to be disastrous to me undeceive yourself and be calm my dear mother and do you marcel give me back the esteem which you should entertain for a man of sense one may be such a man even if he has been guilty of an imprudence and i realize that i was very reckless when i offered our benefactress a thing which did not belong to me that was an impulse of gratitude sadly misplaced it is true but which did not scandalize her because she saw in it nothing more than an emotion that was worthy of her and consistent with the respect that is her due i flatter myself that she is even more convinced of it since she granted me an interview and i swear to you both by all i hold most sacred by filial love and faithful friendship that there shall be nothing unpleasant to madame nothing distressing to you nothing unbecoming on my part in my future conduct let us not regret the house at sevres my dear mother we could not obtain it unless madame d'estrel became madame antoine thierry and you certainly do not think that could ever have come to pass as for you my dear marcel i bless you for all the trouble you have taken But surely you are convinced now that it was all thrown away, and that Uncle Antoine gives nothing for nothing. Let us be calm now. Let us take up our lives where we dropped them when this evil dream of wealth began. I still have arms to work with, and a heart to love you. And indeed, from this day forth, I feel more zealous, braver, and surer of the future than I have ever been. End of section 16